Hey, how's it going? This is Nathan Stockman, uh, the artist of Spidey and the best issue of Renew Your Vows, issue 5. And you are listening to The Amazing Spider Talk. Too many who know the angles, uncover and untangle All the questions and the webs left out to tangle Welcome to The Amazing Spider Talk. My name is Dan Gavazdan, and I'm the founder and editor of SuperiorSpiderTalk.com. And I'm Mark Chinacchio, founder of the Chasing Amazing blog and currently an editor at Superior Spider Talk. Thanks for joining us, everyone, for another special Amazing Friends episode of Amazing Spider Talk. We hope you enjoy this podcast and that it provides an intelligent conversation between two fans and collectors and a creator as we look at the Spider-Man comic universe in a bit of a bigger picture. Yeah, Dan, and for this episode, our uh, special friend will be Nate Stockman, artist from uh, such uh, current books as Spidey, Spider-Man Renew Your Vows, and the upcoming Spider-Man Master Plan. Uh, Nate joined us all the way from Ireland, Dan, so uh, you know we were able to bring it all together despite being in three separate time zones. Uh, I, I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, I agree, and I think uh, the whole intention we have behind this show is that we wanted to talk to someone who was just kind of coming into the Spider-Man art family and find out what that was kind of like to be plucked out of, not obscurity, but you know wherever you are to join the team. And we've kind of done this before with other creators, like even like Ryan Stegman. Yeah, who, who Nate uh kind of has a, a thing with uh, on twitter although as, as we will learn there it, it's it's more it's more of a social media show I, I i guess i guess that it's not quite as uh intimate as i uh maybe imagined and that makes it sound worse <laughs> all right well let's just get right to the interview then well now let's meet one of our amazing spider friends the kind of guy All right, Dan. Well, well, as we uh, we said in the intro here, we're, we're we're joined with a very special guest today. We have uh, Spider-Man artist, a comic book artist, uh, Nate Stockman. Nate, welcome aboard. Thanks for coming here. Oh, thanks for having me, guys. Delighted to be here. Awesome. Well, well, Nate. You know, we always kind of want to ease our our listeners into these interviews with kind of you know uh, an an origin story of sorts for, for, for the people we have on. And, you know, we're, we're all big comic book fans here. So I'm curious about, um, what some of your earliest experiences are with, uh, comic books and superhero comics in terms of reading, writing, illustrating. I mean, what, what kind of hooked you into this, into this art form, um, you know, when you were younger, or maybe it was only a year ago. I don't know. Usually, it's when you're younger, but uh, I'm curious for you. Where did where did your story with comics start? Uh, I'd say probably with 
uh, like the the nineties cartoons, like the the X Men ones and the Spider Man ones. Uh, got real into them. Um, the uh, Spider Man is Amazing Friends. I had like a, a a pirate VHS of that that I watched to death. I had like three or four episodes, and then an episode of uh, Spider Woman at the end. So I watched that like a billion times. Then just going to like the news agents and stuff. They used to have uh, English reprints of American comics. And so it was around the time of was the uh, JD Dimitrius Salvashima spectacular run, I think. Mm. Um, so it was kind of late '80s, early '90s. Does that sound about right? It does, and it's a great, great run of comics to get into. Yeah, I think one of the first Spider-Man comics I read was the Death of Harry Osborn. Mm. It was the first, one of the first ones I can remember clearly reading, and that just blew me away i mean i didn't even know who harry osborne was but i knew it was like a big deal that he died and i had like that whole um like the the wordless pages at the end and that was just like hugely inspirational i just like wanted to know everything about spider-man from that and uh like sal Bashima's art i think he's one of my like number one influences to this day i just like whenever i see peter parker and Michael, I see the way he draws him he's just like so dynamic and oh i don't know absolutely amazing I know his his big brother usually gets most of the kudos, but I think Sal is, for my money, like one of the top five Spidey artists of all time. From there, I think I discovered like uh, like comic shops. I went to like Forbidden Planet in Dublin and stuff like that. And so I, I, I picked up a few trades. Uh, got Spider-Man Torment, I remember buying. The, that was the McFarlane one, yeah. Spidey vs. Venom, the Eric Larson collection. Oh, I love that. But the, the silver shiny cover. Oh, beautiful. Uh, Eric Larson's out. He was absolutely adore his Spider-Man stuff. Can't even put into words. He's so good. Got big into X-Men as well. With the the Jim Lee relaunch with the million covers. I really liked uh, I got into Garth Ennis a lot because he was from Ireland. Well, Northern Ireland, but Ireland. And uh, just have like a, a homegrown talent like that. It was cool to show you that like people like us could make it in comics. And uh, I met John McRae as well. He was the, the artist on The Demon and Hitman when I was real young. And he's probably my favorite artist of all time to this day. Uh, I just absolutely adore his stuff. It was the first time I'd ever seen the original art. They used to have a, a cartoon festival near where I used to live. And they'd have uh, like bring over newspaper cartoonists and uh, a couple of comic guys. And they'd just have marquees everywhere for a week of just celebrating just cartoons. It was brilliant. I was like 10 at the time and just lapped it up because I was kind of getting into comics like big time. And then that just fell on my doorstep and that just cemented it. I was just, I was in forever then. It's the first time I've seen uh, original art and that was a huge deal because I'd always, like when I was trying to like recreate like drawings or whatever, I'd like, if I made a mistake, I'd start again. Like they had to be perfect. And then I saw original art and I had like, paste-ups over it, like, white-age smeared all over it. That was brilliant to see, like, the, the big boys make mistakes. What's it like collecting comics in Ireland? I know it's not, the, it's probably not the same, you know, publishing and collecting scene as it is here in the United States, you know. Do you get, like, foreign reprints, or uh, like, uh, it was stuff delayed? Yeah, there was um, foreign reprints that were bundled together, like, you'd get two or three issues. But if like some uh, some of the news agents had newsstand editions with like just normal versions of the comics, I remember that like, my local news agent had Generation X when it was coming out. That's how I got into that. 
And then I started going to specialty stores and just picking up what I could. And I had family in America as well. So whenever I'd go over to see them, I'd get to the raid back issue bins over there and go into like, um, Impulse was one of the first series I collected. The Death of Superman, all that stuff. Loved, loved all that. Very Legion squarely Super- in the 90s is what you're saying. Oh, yeah. The 90s. Kid. Oh, yeah. yeah. I loved like, Spawn, Savage Dragon, all that stuff when it was coming out. It was, oh, it's just the, the perfect age for that. And not even just 90s, but like the big like speculator collectible stuff from the 90s. I mean, you know, kind of piggybacking on what Dan asked you overseas. You know, I mean, here in America, those books were like kind of marketed as like these like this is the next collector's item. You know, you can have five death of Superman and put your kid through college. I mean, was there any of that overseas or was there less of that kind of, you know, it's collectible. Not only is it cool comics, but like you know, you're this is this is an investment. You know, comics has an investment. I'm, I'm sure there was a bit of that, but I was too young to understand that. I just read what I thought was cool. I never worried about if it would make money or anything. Yeah. The the series I've collected most of all is the Legion Superheroes, and no one cares about that whatsoever. <laughs> like I've nearly every issue from 1960 on, and I could sell them and just make like make a loss on them. No one cares. You've mentioned in uh, other interviews that some of your dream gigs involve Spidey and the Legion of Superheroes, which are both, you know, young heroes by any traditional sense. Uh, Do you think there's a a reason for your affinity for these younger heroes? Is it tied up with your youthful discovery of them? Yeah, I I just don't want to grow up ever, so I just want to retain my my youth through them. Yeah, it's just all the stuff I love growing up. I liked uh, when I was a teenager, I, I gravitated towards teen heroes. So like I liked Spidey, like I liked reading the like the Dicko stuff and the Essentials. Uh, I liked the Legion. Uh, it was it was the post Zero Hour stuff. I don't know if you're into the Legion. Mm-hmm. So they're all like uh, the age to teenagers. Impulse, Young Justice. I like the Tim Drake, Robin, all of that stuff. You know, you never really grow up. Like you still love what you love when you're 15, when you're 34, which is my age now. Well, we're two adult men podcasting about Spider-Man, so I think we can really <laughs> sympathize with you in that regard. <laughs> I'm among my own people. <laughs> so, so, Nate, how did you take this obvious love for comics and then translate it into a, a career in comics? I mean, what was kind of your breakthrough in the industry and then ultimately your breakthrough uh, into Marvel? Well, be- before all of that, like I just cut out every relationship in my life and... <laughs> Focus purely on uh, on drawing stupid pictures for my teenage years, and then uh, it was kind of all I I ever really wanted to do. I studied as a, an animator, uh, but I never I never went into the industry. But it was brilliant training for comics, just learning how to tell a story, and that was always my my biggest thing. You have to be able to to get the point across in as like few frames as possible in animation. So. It was a good carryover to to comics. I'd always had like a a fairly decent grasp of how to how to tell a story. Like all right, I guess I think it was I think 2006. There was a comic convention in Dublin, and uh, CB Sapolsky, who was the the talent scout at the time, was over. So I I did up a, a couple of pages of samples and went down to him, and he was lovely. He had like really nice words to say, just kind of encouraging, keep going. And uh, it took ten years, but like 10 years later, I was drawing Spider-Man for real. So it was pretty cool. It's not, um, not too I, shabby. Yeah. yeah. Not too shabby at all. That was funny. Actually just thinking back, my, my very first samples were 
for Spider-Man. So all I ever really wanted to draw was was him. And and how did they reach out to you to you know be doing Spidey and 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 come into the Marvel fold? You know that they've been following. Has he been following you for all these years and just thought it was your time? Did you resubmit a new portfolio? What what was that thing that got you over no, just, that just hump? Just showing up at offices with a with a boombox for uh, for ten years. <laughs> no, I, I did. Um, I think my my first kind of breakout series was a, a series called Antihero for uh, Monkey Brain. They were a, a digital uh, digital first company, and um, that was written by uh, you know Jay Ferber. He um, what's he? He writes Copperhead now. He did Dynamo Five, Noble Causes, and he did a load of uh, Marvel and DC work as well. He wrote Generation X for a bit. He wrote. Um, titans for a while as well he's done loads of stuff brilliant writer i was like a huge fan of his and so to get to get to do a series with him was was great and then from that i did a fill-in issue on a series called i love trouble for image and then the the writer of that we we got on and decided to pitch another series to image uh called rain and that lasted 10 issues uh two two years ago and it was while i was drawing that i was um doing commissions as well and i did a, a spider-man commission and put it up on twitter and uh, nick Lowe tweeted me and uh, asked if i had any sequential samples uh, i sent some stuff to him and he's like oh yeah it's, it's potential or whatever and uh, he's like uh, send send me stuff every couple of months and we'll see how you get on kind of and so i did and he put me in touch with uh Ricky Purden, who's the the new talent guy at Marvel. Well, I think he's been there a couple of years now. But, and so I was working with him for a bit, just doing samples and just trying to listen to his feedback and stuff. Yeah, just after doing a bit of back and forth with him for a while, he's he, absolutely brilliant, by the way. I can't say enough about that fella. He really knows his stuff. So if you, if any of your listeners ever get a chance to, to deal with him, just count yourselves lucky. So it was just one random update. I just sent him some some commissions I think I've been doing. And then uh, he mailed me to say that there might be something for me. And then the editor for Spidey, Darren Shan, emailed me and offered me two issues of Spider-Man, or Spidey. And, uh, oh, <laughs> you had to, like, peel me down from the walls. I was vibrating with happiness. <laughs> <laughs> the most excited I've ever been in my adult life, I think. Well, def- I mean, I could definitely sense the, what the excitement was. I mean, but did you also feel, like, any pressure to do Spidey? I mean, like, I mean, in terms of, like, pressure on yourself, because it's like, this is this is one of your guys, you know? Like, you grew up with this, you grew up with this character, and, and he's, he's, he's an icon. He's one of Marvel's flagship characters. Are you, like, looking at this, like, I mean, it's obviously an opportunity, but you're also like, oh, oh man, what if, what am I gonna do? <laughs> yeah, and um, there was uh, like, obviously, I was nervous, but I think if it was any other character in the Marvel universe, I would have been a lot more nervous. But because it was Spider-Man, and I, like, I had such a love for the character and all the cast and everything, and I knew them all inside out. I knew how they should look, how they should act well to me. So I, I went in just fully. Like I, I'd done me a lifetime's worth of research, so I was ready to to give it me best, and like I, I did. I put everything I had into those issues. So, and I ended up 
finishing out the, the series. I did issues eight to twelve, and that was just absolute dream come true stuff. When, when I got me 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 first issue, um, I knew Electra was going to be the baddie, and so I I was did a, a page of uh, Electro sketches, and then I was like, ah, oh, sure, I'll, I'll draw the rest of Sinister Six as well, and just <laughs> just for the crack. And then at the when I got the the script for the issue, the the last page reveal was the entire Sinister Six like sitting there, and I was just like, oh. Oh, I love this. Well done. <laughs> I was gonna say that that final issue is a is a Sinister Six issue, and oh no, when I found out, I was, I was like, well, I, I knew it was all leading there from the the final page, so it's just like, yes, yes, I can't wait. You know, Marvel's bringing you in. Do they provide you any kind of resources? Like, do they hand you over the book that says that they were contacted by aliens in the sixties? Like, what? What is the initiation process like? Do, like, what kind of resources do they provide you as an artist? Um, they they had my uncle killed to teach me about responsibility, <laughs> and I, I haven't missed a deadline since. So <laughs> that's like my outro, Dan. <laughs> they slowly poisoned my aunt as well, so she's always sick. They're trying to get me in character. They put a like a brain in her, or a bomb in her brain. <laughs> no, <I. laughs> they also have to just in case. Don't go full burn, John, uh, Dan. <laughs> no, I, I've uh, completely forgotten your question now. Sorry. <laughs> I, I'm, curi- I'm curious about like what kind of resources like artists are provided. You know, like you come on, they're like, we're doing this book. Do they ship? They send you digital codes for all the issues. Do they? They'll send you like everything that you need to get caught up they'll they'll send yeah like pdfs of all the previous issues and any any character designs or references or anything you need they're like they're super on the ball they're really good about doing stuff like that because spidey was unique because like you had this supporting cast that looked quite different than it ever had been presented before um like i could imagine having to cross-reference what Flash looks like here versus Flash looks like in Amazing Spider-Man continuity. Yeah, they all got like a little a little design tweak, a bit of an upgrade from Nick Bradshaw. So I was given uh, whoever he had designed at the time, um, which was the, the main cast and some of the villains. And yeah, just whatever I needed to work with up to that point. And then I think uh was... Electro, I don't think he had designed, so I I kind of skewed towards the, the classic looks for for anything that wasn't designed just because I loved them. Like when, when Craven appeared in issue nine, I was like, can I put him in his leopard leopard tights? And they're just like, yeah, that's fine. Do, do whatever. Like, yes. <laughs> and I mean, and what is it like to be drawing like high school Peter? I mean, is this like, you know, do you feel like you're doing something different than when you used to do kind of sketching of Spider-Man and his cast, you know, when you were before you became a, a professional or do you feel like your natural kind of innate artistic abilities lend themselves to that kind of the younger universe, the younger Spider-Verse? I, I don't know if I had drawn a huge amount of a teen Spider-Man. Like if I was drawing him, it would have been mostly his adult adventures because he wasn't really a teenager for, for that long in the books. So mm-hmm. most of when I was reading him, he was growing up. And um, so I, I definitely made sure that he didn't look old. So him and Gwen were on a date in my first issue. So I had to make sure that they looked 
15 or whatever age they were. So they're they're skinny, they're slight, they're kind of kind of weird looking the way everyone is when they're a teenager. <laughs> they're, like you had to give him his big eyebrows and stuff, and make sure he had his kind of little John Romita spit curl kind of thing. But apart from that, he's just kind of I didn't want him like gangly either because I mean when he has his costume on, he like he looks like super ripped if you really look at it. Like yeah, they, I just didn't want them to look like overly muscular, I guess or Anything. Uh, which Spider-Man character like uh, have you had the most fun drawing? And I guess alternately, which do you find the most challenging, difficult, or frustrating? I'd say probably Peter was my favorite, just because he is Spider-Man. It it took me a little little while to get comfortable with him. I will say I'm um, actually have me me pages pulled up here just for reference. I'm looking at that first page I ever draw of him, and it's uh, it's kind of wonky. Well, I mean, it's there. Uh, so yeah. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> yeah, Peter was definitely me, me favorite to draw. Uh, just getting all like crazy poses when he's Spider Man, and oh, just love it. Uh, <laughs> he was difficult now. Aunt May was kind of tricky because she doesn't she doesn't look like the classic Aunt May that kind of de-aged her a little bit. Um, who else was tricky? They didn't want you to draw her like Marissa Tomei. <laughs> no, as much as I pitched it, <laughs> <laughs> she she's my 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 older lady crush. Her and Sally Field were a hundred percent like my older lady crushes before they ever had like Aunt May roles. So, oh man, that makes yeah, those they're... movie experiences interesting. <laughs> <laughs> well, are there are there any characters that you're dying to draw? Oh yeah, for Spider Man, yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the one character that I really wanted to draw that we couldn't was Venom because it's set during his first year or whatever of being Spider-Man and it would have made zero sense as much as I begged Robbie to put him in there. <laughs> Are you going to be working on uh, Renew Your Vows during the Venom story? I know it hasn't been announced yet, but I, I know they're doing Venom coming up. Uh, that's uh, I've seen the solicits from No, I'm not a part of that at all. That's That's Ryan's baby and i couldn't be more jealous <laughs> now if you were to do venom i mean you you know you mentioned you ticked off earlier in the conversation some of the big venom artists i mean do you see yourself kind of doing more of like the big hulking mcfarland version or like the more mouth teeth tongue larson version what do you, you know yeah. what, what's 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 your influence on that <laughs> larson is definitely my venom artist like, I like McFarlane fine. He's Spider-Man legend for a reason, but I just always clicked with Larson's version of of everyone. And I've always, <laughs> to hear, liked his Venom. Big toothy, big tongue. Uh, I love the way he draws him kind of leading the symbiote off him and big angry Eddie Brock head underneath. So, I'd, yeah, I'd, I'd skew towards that version, definitely. A big hulking brute. Well, so speaking of Renew Your Vows, how did you get the opportunity to, as you said, uh, it's Ryan's baby, but how did you get the opportunity to do that awesome issue five? <laughs> I think it was just to give Ryan a chance to get ahead. Uh, it's the same editor I had on Spidey. And so I think they knew I could draw Spider-Man from that and that I was <laughs> available. And I made the joke that, I was next in line alphabetically after Ryan Stegman, so that's how I really got the job. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't be surprised. There, there's weirder things have happened editorially. Uh, <laughs> um, 
I have to say, I there's that I think I tweeted it at you. The moment where they like are reacting to the Chuck E. Cheese's stand-in, that kind of oh, yeah, yeah. silent freeze image of Peter and Mary Jane is like the funniest panel I've read in a long time. <laughs> Thanks. Those faces that's you drew it. are just hysterical. Oh, that's that's actually a good example of everyone coming together to be the greater than the sum of their parts because Jerry wrote that great scene and then I drew it and uh, my editor Darren was like he kind of encouraged me to push it a bit further and it just like made the expressions all the funnier. Did you like Google like Chuck E. Cheese stuff or something to like get uh, influence there? Because I yeah, mean, yeah. I, I mean, you don't have that in Ireland, right? Or no, do that? Is no. there is there is there an Irish version of a Chuck E. Cheese that like kind of would be something uh, like kind of similar? <laughs> Well, I knew a I knew a Chuck E. Cheese was, uh, so I just looked up at that, and that that was in the script. Jerry said that it's a Chuck E. Cheese esque. Place. <laughs> I just I went mean, with that. You captured the kind of decrepit terror of Chuck E. Cheese really well <laughs> in, in that issue. Yeah, I have a five year old. I, I hate Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> <laughs> so he's his name has been mentioned frequently in this conversation, and you know I'm not gonna lie, I kind of you know when I'm kind of spying on creators I follow on Twitter. I, I noticed you and Ryan Stegman kind of jokingly going at it. Can you, can you kind of talk a little bit about what the, what the relationship and the connection is there? Um, I mean, how do you, how do you know Ryan? Where is this, come, where does this all come from besides the alphabetical nature of it? We're deeply in love. <laughs> Breaking news. <laughs> Uh, like, to be honest, I don't really know Ryan that well. It's just from joking around on Twitter a bit and just a few emails and stuff like that. But I think he's funny, so he's good crack to talk to. No, I mean, it's just, it, it looks like you two like, grew up together, the way you kind of go <laughs> at it. It's, it's, it's funny. I don't know. I, I, I enjoy it. So. Uh, Twitter is weird like that. You can form weird friendships like very quickly. Not that I'm friends with Ryan. I just want to state that for the, for the record. <laughs> Will do. That's... <laughs> But you are in love with him. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, there it is. It's, it's a love that, that transcends friendship. Exactly, yeah. I hate love him. <laughs> Your style is uh, really unique, and, and, you know, I could trace a million influences, you know, to it. I guess I'm curious what those influences are and where you see your style going in the future. Like, what are you trying to push What's your next big hill to tackle? Okay, uh, I'll give you all my influences because they're very easy. I like um, I skew towards cartoonier styles. So I like guys like John McRae. He was a big early influence on me. Um, Sal Bashima, who else? Uh, Stuart Imlin is the greatest working comic artist. He's just unbelievable. I just want to give up whenever I see anything he draws. <laughs> um, who else is good? Uh, Ryan's pretty good. Um, uh, exactly. Greg Capullo's good. I say good. They're all like incredible. Um, <laughs> uh, Jason Pearson, I love, but he, I wish he was more prolific. But what you do get is absolutely incredible. Uh, all his body bag stuff. Oh, I don't know. Pe- people like that. I like uh, Declan Shalvey as well because he's Irish. That's the only reason. That's fair. Uh, where do I see my style going? I don't know. Um, I like. I like playing around a bit i like uh it's hard on on monthly comics to do too much experimenting so i try and do a little something every now and again 
I like doing um, grey tone marker stuff. So I've been trying to do a little bit of that on, on Doctor Strange just to to mix it up a bit, just to try and, yeah, push myself in different directions because you can definitely get complacent and your stuff can become stagnant and boring, I think. You need to just give yourself a little kick up the arse sometimes to, to try new things. And do you see yourself kind of preferring to stay in the realm of licensed characters from Marvel or you know the distinguished competition or um i mean do you or, or are you kind of thinking down the line i'd love to do some creator own work i mean it, it seems like there are some people who don't mind sticking with the licensed stuff while others are like oh no i gotta i gotta i gotta do my own stuff one day you know so where, where do you kind of fall on that you know i actually came from doing creator own stuff first so i kind of flipped it a bit i guess so i, I got that out of my system early like I'd love to do more because like it was super rewarding doing it, building something from the ground up. But I mean, I did I did two series. I did Antihero and then I did Rain, and both of them were like me and the writers co-creating everything together and doing all that. And then I I've always kind of had in the back of my mind that I'd love to do like big two work, and so I'm very happy where I am for the moment. As as long as they'll they'll have me, I'd love to do some uh, DC work as well at some stage. But I'm very happy at Marvel at the moment. They treat me brilliant, and everyone I work with there is just superb. You have been so. a, a great cheerleader for them. Uh. <laughs> well, they are my corporate overlords, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you know, like, I, I wouldn't say those things what I didn't mean. I'm like, everyone I've worked with at Marvel is brilliant, like, from, from day one. Like, just I can't say a bad word about anyone. And... Robbie in particular is just been so great to work with. Robbie Thompson, the the writer of Spidey. Uh, when I when I got the job, he sent me a, a lovely email, just going, uh, "Hey, how's it going? Uh, just to let you know, I work in TV and I'm used to collaborating. So if you have ever any ideas, just shoot them to me. Or if there's anything you want to draw, let me know, and I'll I'll try my best to to work it in. So, and uh, he was true to his word. He was just like, uh, there's a flashback coming up in issue, whatever. Who do you want to draw? I'm like, can I draw Green Goblin? He's just like, yeah, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> what about Jerry? How is it like working with Jerry? No, Jerry's great as well. Uh, I, his scripts were laugh out loud funny. I don't know if you remember in the in the Renew Your Vows issue, I done the, the henchmen were bickering while Sandman is trying to get into the vault. And that, like, when I was reading that in the script, I was just laughing out loud. And it was all described in such a way that I could just see it all super clearly in my head as I was reading through it as well. So I mean, that speaks to his experience, however many years in the industry he's had. It's got to be cool many. to be like working with a legend pretty much straight away. Oh, I know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was very cool. The man who killed Gwen Stacy. <laughs> and he will always be remembered for that. And he knows it. <laughs> you know, I, I am curious, just kind of. Uh, you know, one last thing on on the whole Jerry thing, but um, you know, considering he is sign, he is so old school. I mean, I'm sure he's kind of adapted his style over the years. But in terms of what you received from the writer, I mean, how how different was what you got from Jerry versus what you got from Robbie, who is obviously more of kind of a a, a, a new a new wave writer. I mean, was it like, you know, you, I don't, I don't think Jerry works the old, like Stan Lee Marvel style, but I think he does still kind of 
I mean, do you feel one gave more freedom to the artist than the other, or I mean, are they were they both pretty similar in that respect? I think it was more collaborative with Robbie because I had more time with him. Um, Jerry, uh, it was full script, so which I which I prefer because I like to know what the characters are saying so I can have them uh, react accordingly. Um, and he he wrote in five page installments, so I was getting like a little bit of the story at the time. And then I'd be dying to read the next part. So that was, that was cool. I was like, oh, what's going to happen next? How are they going to get out of it? And with Robbie, because he sent me that email, I and like Robbie's a big shot TV writer, or he he was on Supernatural, but I had never seen Supernatural. And so I I didn't really know who he was apart from a Marvel writer. So I didn't go in with any sort of like, preconceived notions of him being a superstar and which I understand now that he is. <laughs> so I was never afraid to pitch him ideas or anything. Um, I don't know if you remember on the, the spider on issue 10 had captain America. In it. Yeah. That, uh, that came from a, a frantic email I sent Robbie just when I had an idea. It's just like, ah, oh, ah, oh, Robbie. Ah, oh, um, <laughs> what if captain America hates J. John Jameson? Cause he has a mustache like Hitler. Could, could, could we use that? <laughs> he's just like I'll see what I can do <laughs> well that's a very solid point um, yeah. one of our we're going to show you our last question and it's one that we ask uh, everybody who comes on our show um, but what does it mean to you that you were or are uh, a Spider-Man artist personally um, nothing nothing at all <laughs> Dead inside. Pure nihilism. <laughs> oh, no, it's brilliant. I'm sure, like, it was me little, me little boyhood dream, and it's come true now, so, I mean, how many people get to experience that? So, it's 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 pretty cool. And there's there's more Spidey coming as well. Uh, there's the... Can, can I plug some stuff? Yes, go uh, for we it. Were, plug yeah, away. That, that, is, that is actually technically the last question, which is, hey, plug your stuff. But, <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> I preempted you then. Um, no, uh, it's okay. Uh, available for pre-order right now is Spider-Man Master Plan issue one, which is one of one because it's a one shot. It's uh, me and Robbie and Jim Campbell, the the artist or the the, the color artist, uh, Team Spidey reuniting for for an encore. Um, it's coming out around the same time as uh, Homecoming, so they they wanted something with uh, with Team Spidey in it. So if you if you like Spidey. Get get yourself to your LCS and pre-order for for one more adventure. And is is this in the world of Spidey, or is it a whole separate thing? Is it a flashback? Uh, Anything it, you can tell is. us about it? Oh, it's it, it's basically issue thirteen. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, is there plans like, to continue Spidey on, or is it uh, uh, over? Be, if, this... if there are, I'm I not a part of the loop so okay i would love love there to be more plans i would love to do more uh i really enjoyed working on that book and it was just so much fun but i mean they know what they're doing in the spider office so like i'm sure they'll do something cool in the future all right so master class we should all check that out master plan master plan um, sorry oh it's what to say the the old ditko villain who's in the oh crime master Crime master, thank you, thank you. <laughs> the nobody, now it all makes the sense. Nobody, yeah, <laughs> no one remembers. <laughs> the only guy we could use. <laughs> yeah, 
it'd be out around time homecoming is so check that out when you're come out of theater and you're on your spider bros anything Excellent. else you're working on the drawing um sorcerer supreme at the moment um drawing the, the future x-men i get to draw banshee which is another little childhood dream because he's ireland's only superhero basically there you go. <laughs> and it's funny when when we were chatting about him being in the issue i was chatting with robbie and i was like make sure you get the accent right because like yeah. he's he's never been written with like anything less than like, a horrifically cringeworthy like ah oh, top of the morning bios oh, <laughs> oh. what is what is oh, claremont right see this is, this is the kind of stuff i love to hear about because it's like that <laughs> yeah for me i'm just like oh wow this character really has a thick accent. I don't understand any of it. Is that how everyone sounds like? And you're like, no, that's not how we sound like at all. <laughs> I, mean, I, was, I was worried you wouldn't be able to understand me at all. I, mean, I never know how, how Irish accents translate abroad. Whenever, whenever I'm on, on the phone with me, either, I'm just like trying my best to like slow my speech down and not talk like an idiot. Because I'm always so excited to be talking to someone from Marvel as well. <laughs> You, you did say fella at one point, which made me which made me chuckle because I just that's that's an expression I just associate with that. So I, I appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> I don't know why. Sorry. My... I'm just a walking stereotype here. <laughs> no, no. All right. Well, uh, Nate, thanks for coming on our show. This is a lot of fun. Oh, thanks so for having me. This is great. Crack. I was really nervous coming on because it was my first ever podcast, but it was brilliant talking to you. Great. Thank you for easing me into the world of podcasting. <laughs> well, uh, I hope it was an easy and not a plunge. There you go. <laughs> so, uh, well, thanks again for coming on. Mark, I love these kind of interviews because uh, Nate seems like he's one of those rare people that has a dream from when they're a kid a very specific dream, and then manages to pull it off. We'll see. Maybe he'll be drawing an amazing Spider-Man sooner or later. But, uh, I mean, I'd, I'd say dream accomplished. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's it's. I guess it's an upgrade from those who, you know, we talk to who have shattered dreams and dreams that are destroyed. Um, but no. <laughs> are Nate, you Nate, referring Nate. to you and I? Yeah, I think I think that's usually just us, Dan. Um, but no, it's it. You know, th- those who who can't podcast. <laughs> is, is that how it is? Or, or 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 yeah, I guess so. I guess what is that? Those who can't teach. Well, anyway, no. Nate Nate clearly had a lot of fun. We had a lot of fun with him, and like you said, it's just kind of good to hear from someone who's getting his feet wet in the industry and doing it in. A way where he's getting to, you know, I mean, Spidey was one of his big dream gigs, and and he's and he did it. I mean, you know, now now I guess he just needs Legion of Superheroes if DC ever wants to publish a book about those guys again, which they probably don't, but you know, maybe one day. Ah, uh, who knows? They're still making action figures of those guys, I think. Yeah, I know, I know, but you know, I don't, I don't think they've been a thing since like the '90s at this point. But hey, let's not ruin Nate's dream for him. <laughs> They're going to do it. Uh, speaking of dreams, why don't you take us on home, Dan? What does that have to do with dreams? It just means that, you know, it's my dream to finish this episode. All right. All right. <laughs> you can find all of our new Amazing Spider Talk, our old Superior Spider Talk podcast over at SuperiorSpiderTalk.com or find us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, and most recently, 
YouTube by searching for Amazing Spider Talk. And if you do, please be sure to leave us a rating and comment to let us know how we're doing, and we'll read it on the air. Those comments are awesome. We're four away from 100 comments. If you have any opinions on these comics that we talked about today, which I don't really think we've talked about any of these on the show yet, so write us in your thoughts. Um, or any questions, be sure to email them to us at AmazingSpiderTalk at gmail.com. Call us at 9RedGoblin or tweet at us with OK to print and we'll address and read them on the air. And I'll add to that, if there's someone you want to hear as a guest on the show, shoot us a message. Maybe, you know, there's someone we're not thinking about that you would be really excited to hear from. Have you guys ever considered talking to Stan Lee? <laughs> we're going to get a lot of those. Um, also, be sure to check out both our Facebook pages and subscribe to our brother podcast, The Ultimate Spin, to keep up with all the scoopy scoops uh, related to the adventures of Spider-Gwen and Miles Morales. Dan, I'm never going to let scoopy scoops down, like go down. I might gonna... change the name of news on our site to just say scoopy, scoopy scoops. scoops. Yeah. Um, speaking of scoopy scoops, Dan... Next week, we are going to do our final Essential episode. I can't believe we have did 30 of these. It only took us like three and a half years to do it. No, only uh, two years. Only two okay. years. Okay, fine, fine. This seems like three and a half. But it's, <laughs> it's, it's your pick, Dan, which means it probably won't be picked as an Essential. But why don't you tell us what it's going to be anyway? That's a pretty fair assumption. <laughs> uh, I will I will readily admit. Uh, my pick for next week is Astonishing Spider-Man and Wolverine, which is a favorite team-up of mine. And I'm going to try to make the case for it being an essential or not. You know what? Write in and support me or tell me how wrong I am. I want to hear your thoughts on Astonishing Spider-Man and Wolverine. Excellent, Dan. I, I look forward to, to hearing you twist yourself into a pretzel over this uh, next week. All right. Well, Mark, uh, while I'm busy twisting, I might find myself stuck and unable to move, but still able to access the Internet. So how can I find what you're doing? Dan, we can always perpetually access the Internet in our current states. Um, and for me... You can find me on Twitter at ChasingASMblog, and you can find my writing at SuperiorSpiderTalk.com. You can find little uh, old retrospectivist posts at ChasingAmazingBlog.com. Did, did you catch my current one about the fool killer, Dan? I did, I in fact, catch your one about the fool killer. Okay. I, I just, just want to make sure I know like you missed the first few when I returned to Chasing Amazing, so I, I, I don't want you to think... Um, you know, whatever. I'm sure. Um, I'm sure to check now. Right, and of course, as I've been saying for the last few months, please uh, pre-order my book, uh, 100 Things Spider-Man Fans Should Know and Do Before They Die, which you can order now. The the uh, website at the publisher site triumph dot uh, dot com is now active. Uh, so, in in keeping uh, with what I'm contractually supposed to say, uh, get it on triumph dot com or wherever. Books are sold. You're, Dan, such, you're but, such a great ad man. All we need is like a Blue Apron ad, and I could start like insulting them as our advertisers or, or Seat Geek. Um, or MeUndies. That's my favorite. Me, MeUndies. Dan, we're not brought to you by any of these sites, but where can we be brought to find you? Boy, that's that's a twisted verbal logic. Uh, yes. Language. You can find me on Twitter at 
at Sup Spider Talk. It's all my Spider-Man things and all the updates to our site. And you can follow me on my personal account at Dan Gavosden, where I'm like live tweeting my journey through Hyrule <laughs> as I <laughs> beat Zelda Breath of the Wild. Um, How far into it are you, Dan? I beat the second dungeon, and uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm 130 Korok seeds into the game. I don't know what that means, but we're getting somewhere. How many dungeons are there? Because, like, you know, the original Zelda had eight, and then, like, you know, Super Nintendo Zelda had, like, three in the light world and, like, eight in the dark world. So you're two of what? Like, of, I think it's of, like, five, including the final Hyrule Castle. And Ganon, I'm assuming. Well, that's what I mean. Yeah, G- Ganon, Ganon is in Hyrule Castle. Well, I know, but it, I mean, you're fighting Ganon, right? Yeah, it's yeah, of like, course, of course. It's not like that year or like that time where Super Mario like didn't fight Bowser and he fought the Wart or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, or Vati. That's the that's the Zelda version of that. The not okay. <laughs> the character I lovingly refer to as not Ganon. Is that like Majora's Mask or something? Uh, no, Majora's Mask is the Skull Kid. It's like all these weird Four Swords adventures on the Game Boy and. Anyway, uh, Zelda is great. <laughs> Track my journey through Zelda uh, um, at, at Dan Gavazin on Twitter. And uh, f- sure to have plenty of tangents. And uh, yeah, that's, I think that's about it for now, Mark. I'm just going to put it there. And um, Oh, in the show notes, there's a link to the comic book I'm writing. Uh, and you can find all the behind-the-scenes information on that. Very exciting stuff. So, Mark, uh, you know, back in the day when you fancied yourself a comics creator and signed a contract deal with Marvel, much like Nate, you were put through the ringer of Marvel's uh, induction, Spider-Man induction team, and uh, they killed your Uncle Ben. What did that – first of all, I'm curious, why? And then secondly – Do you feel like it was advantageous to your writing? Yeah, you know, like, I mean, I didn't even get to put an insurance claim in for this one. I mean, like, you know, this, you know, I signed the contract and it was, I think part of the contract too is I couldn't put in for an insurance claim. Um, But yeah. Let let me ask you though, was the funeral tax deductible because it was for business? Yeah, yeah. Well, exactly. Uh, it was. Um, but, you know, it should be noted, this was like early 90s. So this was actually uh, the legendary Tom DeFalco who orchestrated the hit on my uncle. Um, you know, working for Marvel in the 90s was kind of it was a tough time, Dan. I mean, putting aside the murder of the loved one. Um, you know, we were dealing with such things as the speculator boom and, uh, you know, the, the big image excursion. I mean, you know, all I wanted to do was was work with um, Todd McFarlane and Eric Larson. And of course, I always wanted my uncle back, too. Um, but that that was not meant to be because he, he was killed. You know, at the end of the day, you know, since this was the 90s, you know, the, the pitch for me to work at Marvel was, you know, they wanted me to do uh, a series about Frogman. Because, you know, I, I think they figured Frogman would move about 80,000 units uh, uh, every two weeks, you know. And, I mean, that would have been obviously been one of the lower books for the 90s. But but sadly, doing a, doing a Frogman book without my Uncle Ben there to, to remind me of the time that he would sing the Rainbow Connection to me on a lily pad with John Denver there was just a bit too much for me. And, um, That's a very specific memory. 
Well, you know, I'm just thinking frogs right now. Dan, you got to just go with it because you you, you gave me so little to work with today. You know, like I I always got stuck on that part with, um, you know, the why are there so many songs about rainbows? And it just dawned on me that I, I had to go into the legendary Tom DeFalco's office and I gave him like a couple of pages and there was nothing on it. And he was like, well, well, what's going on? I'm like. Well, it's Marvel style, you know, let one of the image artists do it, fool. And um, that didn't go over well, so I was fired. And my uncle still was dead. And with great podcasts, this also come. Amazing spider talk. Yeah, and this is so sad. This is such a sad story. What, the death of your comics career or the death of your uncle? The frog. Why are there so many songs? about rainbows.